Good morning. Let's stand together to worship the risen Lord. Sing his praise for what he has done.
You're the only one who can, Jesus. We're here to celebrate you today. So thankful for your sacrifice. And thankful that that tomb is empty. God, we worship you this morning.
Yes, God. Praise be to your holy name forever. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, we exalt your name in the highest today, God. God, we set aside every worry, all our burdens we cast upon you, God. We ask that you receive our worship. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're already here with us. God, thank you that despite how we feel this morning, God, we worship you based on who you are and not on how we feel, God. Despite our circumstances, you are faithful. You're worthy to be praised. Whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, God, you're still God. You were near, though I was distant. Disillusioned, I was lost and insecure. And still mercy for, for my attention. You were waiting at the door. And I let you in. Yes, God, we let you in. Do what you will with us, God. Trading your life for my offenses, for my redemption, you carried all the blame. And breaking the curse of our condition, when perfection took our
You can be seated. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we are before you. Grateful. Grateful for your presence. Grateful that we get to celebrate your resurrection today, Jesus. We celebrate that we don't live life looking toward the cross. We live life out of the resurrection. And we are so grateful that the tomb is empty. So grateful for those words, he is not here. He is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And so, God, we are so thankful. Our hearts are full. We are overflowing. Our cup runs over this morning. Thank you so much for the privilege of worship. Where we together, coming from all different places and backgrounds and geographies and 
all kinds of socioeconomic. We get to come here today and be the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And so this morning, we celebrate you, Jesus. We celebrate you. We release our joy, our passion, our excitement, because we are thankful for what you have done and what you are doing and what you have yet to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Can we clap one more time just for the Lord? Say thank you, Lord. What a privilege. Great to see everybody this morning. My name is Jimmy Pruitt, and I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you to our second service today. And uh, my goodness, we have a full house this morning, and I suspect that churches all over our community are overflowing, which just makes my heart beat super fast and super happy for all of our churches throughout our community right now. And so, you know, the true mark of revival, family, is not when one church grows. It's when all of them grow. And that's what we want to see. We want to see all of our churches thriving and alive and bringing hope answers and wisdom into the times in which we live. So again, thanks for being here with us. And if you're watching online, we also want to welcome you into our house, so to speak, and you're welcoming us into yours. And so thank you for watching. If you would, uh, if you'll notice on the screen, there is an email address, info at bridgefbg.com. If you have any prayer requests or prayer needs, we want to pray with you. And help lift your arms up and uh, invite you in to what's happening here. But you can uh, email us at that. We'll get that out to our prayer team. And we will pray with you and stand with you and hold your arms up. And for those of you that are here with us right now, uh, if you have any prayer requests or prayer needs, you can stop by our Connect Center on the way out. It's right outside those double doors on the left. Fill out a prayer card. And you can either give it to the person there or any of the black boxes that you see around on kind of the doorposts and by the doors. And uh, we'll get that out to our prayer team. We want to pray with you and say thanks for, for letting us help you. Help, help us hold your arms up. That's why we're here. And if it's your first time here at the bridge, we want to welcome you here. And in fact, we like to do that by uh, clapping our hands for our first-time guests. So if you're a first-time guest, welcome. Thanks for being here. And Wendy has a little something she's going to show you. Uh, this is just a gift bag that we put together. It's got all kinds of goodies in it, and all of it says bridge all over it. So uh, if you would like one of those, we'd love to be a blessing to you. You can stop by the Connect Center on the way out, fill out a Connect card, and we will give you one of those bags. And it's got let's say, all kinds of good stuff to, to use. Also, I forgot to say, for you watching online, if you're watching on Facebook, do like, love, whatever, and uh, let us know that you're watching. We go back through and we look at all those. We look at your names. And if you're from uh, another place, you're outside of here, we love to see where you're from. So uh, participate in everything that we're doing here. In fact, uh, the, all the words are on the screen. The scriptures will be on the screen. And uh, so I'll give you a little heads up. If you would, go quickly to your cabinet or your refrigerator or your pantry and get your elements together. We're going to take communion together in just a little bit. So I'll give you a little time for that. Again, thanks for being here. Thank you for being here today. So one of the things we love to do is we love to pray. It's one of our high values. Jesus said, uh, quoting his own father, he said, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. And so we want to pray, and you may not have seen these. Some of you that are here have these. It's called a VIP card. They're available out at the Connect Center. There's 14 blanks, seven on each side, and VIP stands for very important people. There are people on our heart. 
people that we love, that we care for, people that we want to see come into a relationship with Christ and walk with Jesus. And so on one side, it says praying for salvation. And there's seven blanks there, so I'm sure there's folks in your life that you want to pray for. And on the other side, praying for a reconnect. That's for those who, for whatever reason, have gotten away. And we want to see them come home. We want to see them come back into a, a place of walking with Jesus. And so I want to invite you to pick one of those up on the way out. Again, the Connect Center there for you. For those of you who have those, your cards, go ahead and get them out. If you don't have them, you've got them on your heart. We know that. I want to take a minute to pray. Now, before we pray, we're also going to include this. That is, we love to pray for other churches in our community. We're, we're the biggest fan, biggest cheerleader for all the churches here because when one wins, we all win because we're family. Amen? When God looks down on, on the city of Fredericksburg, he doesn't see 58 churches. He sees one. He sees his body, his bride. We just happen to be sitting in different places on Sunday morning. So we're going to pray for Pastor Tommy and his wife, Christy LaFan. Wonderful couple. Love this community. Very invested in this community. A great church, Fredericksburg Church of Christ. So we're going to pray for them. Then we'll also pray for our nation as well. So let's pray together. Father, it's our privilege to pray. It's our privilege to be in agreement uh, for these people that are on our VIP cards, they're very important people. And Father, we just join your heart in that you're willing that none should perish. That's your heart. And so, Lord, we call them in and we ask you for grace that they would come to know Christ in a life-changing way. And, Father, we also pray for those who have gotten away from you for whatever reason life has happened and a million reasons why we drift. But, Father, I would ask that by your Spirit and Lord, you would orchestrate events on their behalf to that they could come back in, come back home, um, wherever that may be. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the privilege of praying for those that we love. Father, we do lift up uh, Pastor Tommy LaFan, his family, his wife, Christy, and that great church. Bless them. Encourage them. I pray they're running over this morning and just so full, that having to bring in chairs. Lord, bless them. Encourage them. And, Father, may they find themselves celebrating Jesus today in the resurrection. So we hold that family up, encourage them. And, Lord, we also pray for our nation. We are a nation in crisis. We are a nation in recovery. We're a nation in mourning. And we need your help. So, Lord Jesus, much like Peter who got out on the water and began to realize he was in the middle of a storm, Lord, we cry out that same simple prayer, Jesus, help. We need your help. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of being together as the body of Christ and praying today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Thank you for participating with me. Now, this is where I get to be a Southwest Airlines steward. So uh, if you'll notice, <laughs> there's exits over there on those doors. We just do this for your safety, for everybody. We like to let everybody know, and the safety team really appreciates it when we do this. Two exits there is one behind the production booth right there. You can see through. And then through that big, huge door over into our student area, there's exits out there as well. So we always want to just let you know we really appreciate our safety team. They're out there in the parking lot serving today. They're all over the building today, and uh, we appreciate them. In fact, can we bless our safety team just by saying thanks? Thank these guys for what they're doing and gals. Also, this is kind of just an update and a report. Uh, we did our first ever men's breakfast as the Bridge, Bridge Church, last Saturday. And uh, Pastor Jason, we were all talking. We didn't know what to expect. We had 47 men show up for breakfast. Fortunately, yeah, amen. That's huge. See the pictures there? 
47 guys. We had such a great time. I got to sit down at a table and get to know guys I don't normally get to talk to. So it was really cool getting to do that and catch up and get to know other guys. So we'll continue to do these. We'll give you a heads up when the next one comes along. And so, guys, don't miss out. It was so great. It's low-key. It's just relaxed and good food and good fellowship. And uh, Jason brought a great word also just of encouragement. And so we'd love to have you out to the next one. So that's coming. Now, summer youth camp fundraiser. It's that time of year we begin looking down the road for summer camp. You know, last year was a weird off year where we didn't get to do that and participate. So we really want to want to go all in this year. So we're having a, um, we're doing lunches to go, as you can see on the screen. There'll be a couple of options where you can actually pick it up, like a grab and go here, or you can drive around and pick it up around the building. And we're going to bless you. And we just ask that you would donate and give as the Lord leads. There may be some of you here that, uh, that can give more, but here's the thing. We don't want any student to not go to camp because of money because of finances. Can I get an amen? That should never be the reason why someone doesn't get to go and participate and have a potentially life-changing experience. Something special happens. I was a youth pastor for 14 years, so I'm quite sympathetic to that as well. In fact, I'm still a youth pastor. Some of you already know that, but uh, I don't know that we ever grow up as youth pastors, but we just get older. Amen. And uh, so I have such a heart for the next generation and, and what, they're, what they're doing. So appreciate Jason and Crystal and their team pouring into them. But uh, do support that. So don't eat, don't play, make lunch plans for April 18th. We just want you to come and be blessed and bless them. And then um, also, just as a reminder, after this service, we need all of these beautiful, wonderful flowers gone. We appreciate Marilyn Smith for blessing us with these flowers. Can you, can you just say thanks to Marilyn for doing this? She just did that on her own, her own heart. So, But they need to be gone after the service. In other words, we don't want to come in here on Tuesday so and see them. So if you would, get your eye on one. Don't hurt anybody getting to the stage afterwards. But uh, do come and get one or two. We want to bless you with that, and, and so we appreciate it. So we want to shift gears now, and we want to press pause on the drama of life, and we want to celebrate communion together. Now, if you did not get communion elements, uh, then I'm going to invite you to raise your hand, and we will get them to you. So all you have to do is raise your hand, and we'll get them to you. I see Amy's back there. Jason's coming as well. Slip your hand up. They'll look for you, and they'll bring those elements to you. We do practice open communion here at the bridge. And so if you've never participated, we invite you to the Lord's table today. We always say this, but one of the things we like to do is we come before the Lord with an open heart. Scripture says an examined heart. So we ask you to come today with an open and examined heart before him and participate with us. Now, I'm going to give you a little housekeeping detail. And those of you who have been around, you understand. You peel the, the top layer first. That's the clear layer. You peel that back almost all the way off, and then the wafer will stay in there. And then you peel the gold layer, and that will expose the juice there. So once you get there. So having celebrated Holy Week and each day having a really important and special meaning, one of the things that happened before Passover is that Jesus is with his disciples having a meal together. And you have to understand in Jewish fashion, those meals were not quiet. They were celebrative and alive. And they were together celebrating. And it's like Jesus takes a, 
a picture or a snapshot, a screenshot, if you will. He captures the moment. And he sees that they're celebrating and they're having a great time. And you can imagine their dinners. Get a bunch of guys together telling stories. We all know how that works, right, guys? I mean, can you imagine the disciples telling the stories of what they had seen over the last three years as they walked with Jesus and journeyed with him? Healings, people raised from the dead, crowds of people pressing in. The woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment was immediately healed. They witnessed all of that. And so that became a part of their story, their narrative. And they all come to dinner with all these stories. And apparently it really struck Jesus because he said, when you're together like this, he said, I want you to remember me. And he takes a piece of bread and he holds it up before him. It was probably a piece of matzah bread, unleavened. He holds it up before him. He says, this is my body given for you. Given for you, not taken, but given. And you have to be scratching their heads at this point because this was new. This was a fresh thing he was doing. And he was actually giving them a, a heads up of what was coming later that week. And then he took a goblet of wine. You can see that one there, just a simple common cup. And he held it up. It had wine in it. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And he said, it's going to be for the remission of many sins. The word remission means removal. It's going to be for the removal of many sins. Jesus did that for you and for me. But he said, whenever you come together, whenever my disciples come together like this, I want you to remember. And so here we are, like this, remembering. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice, for his life. Thank you that the cross was not the end of the story. That in a sense, it was just the kickoff before the end of the game. When he was raised from the dead, we are grateful. Jesus, thank you for giving your life, spilling your blood on our behalf. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take the elements. We're going to pray for our children as they're going to be going to their Bridge Kids classes. If you would, hang on to those till the end of the service. You can put them under your seat, not on your seat. You're welcome, Annette. Not on your seat, under the seat, and uh, get, we'll pick those up afterwards. And so we're going to pray for our kids. If we have any children here that are ready to go to Bridge Kids classes, we want to pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, we lift up our children, lift up the next generation. We speak life and encouragement over them, into them. Protect, Lord, and seal their destinies in Christ. We bless our teachers and thank you for their heart and their sacrifice. We hold them up before you. Bless and encourage them. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's clap for our children as they head to their Bridge Kids classes. As they head that way, we want to talk a little bit about generosity. And I love talking about this because this is where we get to see what our resources are doing 
we partner with many ministries right now. And, and in fact, when we started this uh, a year and a half ago, and when we had made the transition from Oak Hills being a campus to Bridge Church being a full-fledged church, and we made that jump, we literally started from ground zero. And, and one of the things I said is, is, and we talked about, is that we're going to be a generous church who gives. And the, as God blesses us, we bless others, and it just continues like that. And so one of the things we say around here is, is you're not giving to the church. You're giving through the church, and it's our privilege to bless these ministries. So I want to show you, if you'll get your eyes on that, there may be one that stands out to you. Would you pray for them and hold them up? But they're touching people all over the world. I see Pakistan, Mexico, Africa, all parts of the world are being touched because of what we're doing as we're sowing into them, and we're supporting the Chosen TV series as well. By the way, I'll go ahead and just say this right here, right now. No, I'll save it for the message. All right, never mind. I'll talk about that later because some good news and exciting news there. So we want to pray for them. So it may be that one of those stood out to you. So do pray for them as we worship. Now, what we're going to do, we don't pass the plate here if you're new. But what we, if you'll notice, the black box is over by the doors. And if you came prepared to give an offering, what we do is we simply we stand to worship. We're going to do a song together. And then anyone who's ready to give can go over and give their offering. We appreciate you. And I always want to say thank you for your giving. You're such a giving church and sacrificially. We love you and appreciate you for it. It makes everything we do possible as a kingdom gets advanced. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet and get ready for worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of giving. It's our heart. It's our heart to give well, to give strong. Thank you for that. Lord, as we worship today, we worship because we're grateful. We give in our worship because we're grateful. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's worship. Spirits out, rushing wind. Fire of God, fall within. Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent and turn from sin, revival in, we're smoldering. Breath of God, fan us into Fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, oh, pour your spirit out, for hearts that burn.
Father, that is our cry today, that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon us. Even as the rain fell this morning, it would be like the rain falling upon us. So, Lord, I'm asking a favor today. Would you open our eyes that we may see? Would you open our ears that we may hear? And would you open our hearts that we may truly and fully know the truth that makes us free? In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You can be seated if you'll turn your attention to the screen. Wow. You know, today we're in a culture and a time in our culture when there's a lot of emptiness. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of heartache, a lot of anxiety, even what we just saw. And it's a season where we need hope. We need anchors. 
We need multiple anchors in our lives to hold us in place and to keep us connected and grounded. So as we get started this morning, I want to just share a little bit about The Chosen. I mentioned that earlier. It's one of the, one of the ministries we support. You may not know this, but they've, they're reaching into the millions and millions of people that for the first time are watching the gospel as a TV series. Now, I'm just going to ask for a survey. How many, of you, how many of you have seen The Chosen series? So that's about half, probably a little, maybe, or, yeah, about half. So I want to encourage you, invite you, adjure you a little bit to watch The Chosen. You can get it on your phone, on iOS or Android. You, there's an app called The Chosen. It's super simple. You go out to your app store and download it. If you have capability in your home, if you have a smart TV, you can cast it onto your TV. And tonight, there's one season, so eight, eight episodes, uh, the first season, we've watched it. In fact, for those of you who don't know, Annette and I, we actually got to travel out there this fall to uh, Utah, Goshen, Utah. Goshen is in the middle of nowhere, Utah. And so there's a huge set out there. We were blessed to go out there and be on set for one of the days. And it was, it was just a game changer for us. First of all, we were hugely impacted by the show itself. It follows and tracks the life of Jesus and all of the backstories, side stories, and out stories of the disciples and those connected to Jesus. And what it will do, it will give you a fresh lens through which when you read the Bible, you'll see things hopefully different. You'll see layers you didn't see before. And so I would encourage you to watch it. Go back. Like I said, you can watch it on YouTube for free. You can watch it on PureFlix for free. If you got PureFlix, you can watch it on the app. I mean, there, there's a lot of platforms and availability. It's the first ever and first only crowdfunded TV series, and when they did the crowdfunding for this, it was actually the highest amount ever raised for any project through crowdfunding. So that tells you the hunger that people have to see the gospel portrayed in a fresh way, Jesus portrayed in a fresh way. And I think you'll appreciate it. It's been a game changer for us as a family, for many of our friends as well. And so we were out there with them, and we had to meet a lot of them and, and hang out with them, and it was amazing and life-changing. Now, that brings me up to tonight at 7 o'clock. So we were out there during the shooting of Season 2, and it starts tonight with the first episode of Season 2 at 7 p.m. on any of those platforms I just talked about. No. Only on the app. Okay, so they're releasing the world premiere on the app only. Okay. Thank you, babe. So that's my wife, by the way. I don't call everybody babe, just, just her, in case you're wondering. So that's Annette, and it was her birthday yesterday. Yay, her. Awesome. 27 years old. That's just awesome. So um, see what I did there? So I want to invite you to watch it on the app, so you can just download it on your phone and cast it to your TV. And we watched it last night. We got a sneak peek of it. And uh, uh, the only thing I can tell you is have a box of tissue close by. I'm just saying this, if you're anything like me. And so anyway, enjoy it, watch it, and then let's support it and pray for it. Because I believe, I truly believe this. I visited with Dallas, who is the producer, founder of it all. I visited with him about it, Dallas Jenkins. And I said, I told him, I said, I believe this is the new Jesus film. The Jesus film that went all the way around the world. And if you've ever been on a mission trip, you might have showed the Jesus film on the side of a van. 
using a gas-powered generator and an old film projector. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I did in Mexico, and uh, it was amazing, and God has used it. But I think this is the new Jesus film, and so we're getting behind it. We're supporting and encouraging it, and so I want to invite you to do that, and I think it will encourage you on this Easter Sunday. Can you believe it's Easter? So last year we had to press pause on Easter gathering because we were in the middle of a pandemic. And that was a that was a mind blower for all of us. It was so strange. In fact, it was just us and it was just the worship team here and our production team here and empty seats on Easter. It was the weirdest, strangest, brutal thing I've ever seen. That's brutal and beautiful put together. I made that word up. It's brutal. In that we worshiped and we celebrated. We had a great time, but to empty seats. And all that we had was that camera as a clue to maybe somebody's watching today. And that was, that was last year. Fast forward to this year, and thank God things are opening up. Amen? Now, here's what happened this morning. So I came into the church fully prepared to preach a message that I had prepared on the Beatitudes. We're going through the Beatitudes right now. And Russ said, I want to show you the video bumper for today because he, he selects those. So this morning, he showed me the video bumper, and I just told, I looked at Russ and said, I'm changing the sermon. And I said, it's going to be John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9 or 10. I said, I said I'm pretty sure I know what it means. I looked it up. I said, yep, okay, I'm on spot. I know where I'm going. So this morning, what I want to share with you is something that was actually inspired by the video that you just watched because it dawned on me there are people here today who need hope. And it dawned on me today there are people watching online who need hope. And so here's what I want to issue to you. If you have never stepped over the line to follow Jesus, and I mean to go all in and say, Jesus, I give you my life, I give you my heart, I give you my past I give you my present. I give you my future. I'm issuing for you not a line in the sand and daring you to step over, but a gentle invitation to go all in with Jesus. We had many in the first service do that and pray the prayer that I'm going to lead you in. So a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, I was 18. It was in May of my senior year, and I was leaning over the hood of my 1971 Ford pickup. And as I leaned over the hood of that pickup and prayed a simple prayer to ask Jesus to save me, and it was simple because I didn't know what I was doing, but I prayed this simple prayer and asked Jesus to save me. As I leaned over the hood, it so marked my life that I can still remember feeling the heat on the hood of my truck because I had been driving it. And I remember the smell of the engine as I leaned over the hood of my truck. I remember everything about that May evening. And I remember a youth minister named Steve McMeans and one of my best friends named Lenny Drake who came out there to wrangle this wild kid and share the gospel. And when they first got there, I'm going to be honest with you, family, I didn't want them to be there because I knew where they were going with this thing. I knew they were going to talk about Jesus, and I wasn't ready to take that step until Steve shared the good news. And today, all these years later, look what I do. I mean, this is unbelievable how God can work and how God can move on a person's life. 
a living testimony of that. So maybe today will be the first step of the rest of your life and your journey today. I want you to consider that while I share a couple of things with you. So John chapter 20, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. John chapter 20, we'll start in verse 1, and let me set the stage for you. Jesus had been crucified. His disciples had walked with him. Not just the 12, but his outer circle of disciples. There were many, many disciples, not just the 12. There were many more. And they had walked with Jesus, been with Jesus for three years. They had seen miracles. They had seen amazing things happen. So many things that the Bible says, if we were to count them, we couldn't even put them in a book. The books would not even contain the number of things that Jesus did. Have you ever thought about that statement? That means we're only getting a fraction of the story. We're only getting a snippet of what he did. And what he did was amazing. They're on a boat on a lake, and a squall comes up over the ridge on the lake of Galilee. And it threatens to tip the boat over, and they're freaking out and losing their minds. And what does Jesus do? He says, peace be, and the storm stops, and the sea goes calm. Can you imagine witnessing that? We just get that, but he did many other things. And so they had been with him, and now they watch him get beaten, taken into custody, a mock trial, completely off book. And he ends up in custody. They strap him to a pole and beat him to a bloody pulp. And this is the one that they believed was the Messiah who was going to come riding in on a stallion and a legion of angels, warring angels, to literally physically overthrow the political powers that be, which would have been Rome at the time. And they thought Jesus was going to ride in, Messiah is going to ride in, and just with a swing of his sword, wipe them out in a bloody bloodbath kind of battle. And even up until his death, they were still wanting that to happen. They were still hoping for that. Maybe he's going to slaughter. But instead, when Jesus comes into town just a few days earlier, he comes riding in not on a white stallion, but on a donkey. In fact, it wasn't even his. He borrowed it. He comes riding in on a donkey in complete humility completely upside down to what they thought was going to happen. And now they watch him bear his own cross. We've walked that road. It's called the Via Della Rosa. We've been to Israel. We've walked that road. It's a hike. This is no lightweight walk. It's extremely steep and curvy and arduous. Of course, it's paved now. It was a dirt road then, and you can imagine what it took for him to walk and carry his cross up to the hill. In fact, the Bible says he couldn't even make it. He finally collapsed under the weight of it, and they just picked a random guy out of the crowd and made him carry Jesus' cross the rest of the way. And then they crucified him. Nails, spikes through his hands or wrists, more than likely, through his feet. And then for good measure, they stick a 
spear in his side to try to make sure he's done. It's the most humiliating way to die ever devised at that time in history. You have to wonder about the days leading up to that. You had Passover. You had the crucifixion. And now you've got a gap in time because he told them that three days later he would rise again. But they had lost their minds in their grief and in their trauma. They were traumatized. You ever tried to make a sound decision when you're traumatized? Some people live that way. Try to make a good decision when you're losing your mind, when it feels like everything is gone. They had lost everything, and they saw their beloved Jesus decimated in front of them. And he dies. Talk about anticlimactic. But you know what Paul Harvey used to say? Anybody remember Paul Harvey? And now, for the rest of the story, I used to love his stories, didn't you? Those of us that are old enough to remember. So the cross was not the final word. It was not the end of the story. But something had to happen in between. And we pick up the story there in John chapter 20, verse 1. If you got your eyes, just look up the screen. Now for the first, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene. Who's Mary Magdalene? She's the one that had been, had seven demons cast out of her. We don't know her whole backstory, but here's what we do know. She was a person who lived and existed in trauma. She was traumatized and tormented. And it was Jesus who came along and rescued her, delivered her, set her free. It's interesting in John chapter 8, it says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so Mary of Magdala, that's where she was from, Magdala. That's why she's Mary Magdalene. It's Mary of Magdala. And so here she is, and she comes to the tomb early while it was still dark. Why would she come before sunrise? Was she hoping he had risen? No, she was coming to prepare him for burial. See, he was crucified on the eve of Sabbath, and so they could not do what needed to be done. All the spices, the oils, the things they do to prepare and preserve the body. So she was coming to do that after the fact. In fact, it was late. But here she is that morning. She shows up. Now, it would have been the first day of the week, which for them would be Sunday. Sunday, that's why we do worship on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. You have to understand, the tomb was basically a cave that had been cut out or hewn out of rock, solid rock. We've been there. If it's the one, there's when you go to Israel, if you've ever been, it's like this may have been the site or this is a traditional site of, and it could have been, but this one probably is more than likely the, the right place because it's called the Hill of the Skull. And when you step back from it, it actually looks like a skull. So there's a lot of markers that make this the probable place where this happened. If that's true, we know what that looks like when you walk up to the entrance. It's not a big hole. You have to, you know, for a guy my height, you've got to really get down to get inside there. And just across from the opening, there's a a rock bench. It's hewn out of the rock. It's just there. 
And that's where they would have laid the body of Jesus. And look what happened. She saw that the stone had been taken away because they, they would seal it with a stone. And then they would put a wax steel, seal over it to say, this is sealed. This is done. And if this seal's broken, that means somebody has messed with or meddled or vandalized this tomb. Verse 2, what happens? So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Who's the other disciple? It's John. It's the book of John. It says, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. you got to love John. John talked a lot about himself because he was really close to Jesus, and he liked telling people that. So he, all through the book of John, he makes these comments, the one whom Jesus loved. He's like, you guys are okay, but I'm the close one. I'm the one who's his buddy. So he says this, and this is literally in the scripture, the one whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter, and she says to them, look what she says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. See, at this point, she didn't know he had risen from the dead. She just thought his body had been stolen. And she says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Why? Because she still assumed he was dead. Oh, but little did she know, right? Well, she was about to. Let's look at the next verse, verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Now, before I read on, you need to understand, this was a foot race. Have you ever ran, tried to run when you're full of adrenaline? Come on, if you ever water ballooned a car or done something, you know you've done it, and you know how you ran, and you know that feeling. Am I the only one who did that? You know that feeling that when you're on adrenaline, you don't run like could form. I mean, you're not like in your lane in the track meet. I mean, you're like scrambling, falling. You're running beyond what you're capable of. I mean, you're falling down and stumbling. These guys take off in a dead run. Look what happens in verse 4. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter. Who was the other disciple again? The one whom Jesus loved, right? Don't you love the Bible? It's got humor. So, the, so John outruns Peter. He's saying, look, not only does Jesus love me, but I'm faster than him. He says it. He says, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first as though they were racing. Now look what happens in verse 5. This is awesome. And stopping to look in, so he, he's in a dead run. He comes up to the entrance. He saw the linen cloths lying there. Those were the cloths that they would have wrapped the body in for burial. In mummy fashion, like Lazarus when he came hopping out of the grave. They wrap him up. He's laying there, but he did not go in. I love this because we see the character and nature of the disciples. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 6. Then Simon Peter. Now, you remember who Simon Peter is, right? He's the one who pulled a, uh, a Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan moment when Forrest Gump jumped off the boat and just tried to get to Lieutenant Dan instead of parking the boat, if you ever saw the movie. Now, Peter did the same thing. Jesus, if it's you out there on the water, bid me come to you. What did Jesus say? Come. What did Peter do? He got out of the boat and walked on water. I mean, he took off. He, he, was, he was go big or go home kind of guy. And look what happens. Simon Peter came. Apparently, he was way behind John. John must have really outrun him here. Following him, Peter doesn't stop at the door. Peter doesn't go, okay, what's going on here? Look what it says. And he went into the tomb. Peter just went right on in. I have a feeling he was, 
The other day, my dog was looking for me. This is weird. But I have a little dog, and it's like a Bichon poodle kind of thing. His name is Chevy. And Chevy was looking for me in the house, and we have wood floors. I heard him running because he was looking for me. And I saw him go by the door, and he caught he caught my gaze, and he put on the brakes, but he just kept sliding across the door. And all I saw was a dog sliding on all fours past the door, and he made it back over. And I see John, or I see Peter, bounding into the tomb in Peter fashion. Go big, go home, hoof and mouth disease, that's Peter. The first one out of the boat, the one who swings a blade and cuts off a Roman guard's ear. I mean, that's Peter. And here he is. He bails into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there. Now they both are seeing the same thing. Now look at the next verse. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. That was a separate piece to the, to the burial garb. Next verse, verse 8. Then the other disciple, remember the one who Jesus loves, who had reached the tomb first, letting you know, I won. Look what it says. He also went in and he saw, but look at this, and believed. John somehow connected the dots. John had a this is that moment. Peter wasn't sure. Mary wasn't sure. But John connected the dots, and it says he believed. He wasn't thinking, oh, no, the body's been stolen away. Oh, no, someone has vandalized Jesus' tombs. Jesus' tomb. He just believed. Look at verse 9. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. So Peter's like clueless. Mary's clueless. John's going, something's up. Something's up. I have faith. He didn't know what he had faith for, but he had faith. And then look at verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes. What? Stand all through the scripture, particularly the New Testament, in terms of the life of Jesus. There was a lot of, and they went back to their homes. When Jesus showed up on this place, which we now call the Mount of Transfiguration, it's actually a hill, a small mountain just outside of Nazareth, kind of south of Nazareth. If you're in a high spot in Nazareth, you can look out, and on the desert floor, you see this hill sticking up. It's fertile, it's green, and it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. It is the place where Jesus literally revealed his glory to his inner circle of disciples. They were there with him. They saw it. Now, here's their response. Let's build an altar up here. In other words, they wanted to stay in the glory, stay on the mountaintop. You know what Jesus said? We're going down. Jesus has a knack for driving us back into the places where we live. See, the idea of you becoming a follower of Christ isn't so that you can come live up here in the church. So you can just come be here perpetually. Remember, as a young Christian, I wanted to be at church perpetually. I was so on fire and so new to all. This was a new world for me. wasn't raised in church at all. So at 18, 19 years of age, this is all brand new. I mean, folks like you've been there all the time. You know the drill. You know when to stand up and sit down in church. You know the Lord's Prayer. You know John 3.16. I didn't know anything. 
And I just wanted to be up there in that atmosphere all the time. Well, the disciples wanted to stay on the mountaintop, and Jesus said, we're not staying on the mountaintop. Why? Because that's not where the people are. Jesus was always sending people back down the mountain. And you know what? Today, he's still sending people back down the mountain. So here they are. Epic event. Epic event. And it ends, this section of Scripture ends with, then the disciples went back to their homes. Why? Because that's where they live. You see, becoming a follower of Christ isn't just... Getting, a, getting your Bible and a passport and then living your life, you know, in, in the ozone layer, the stratosphere. It literally means you become a follower of Jesus and you're now on a journey of growth and it will take you the rest of your life. There is no arrival. It's a journey that you continue on your whole life, putting one foot in front of the other and growing by grace day by day, and your life starts to look like a story arc in a book where you have these experiences and these adventures in him, but it's where you live, it's where you work, and it's where you play. Because, family, here's the truth. Any of us can behave for an hour and a half. Amen? Here on a Sunday morning, you look good. By the way, y'all clean up really good. I'm just saying, y'all look really nice. You've set a new bar of expectation. Just kidding. I'm not wearing this again unless I'm packing heat. So, um, so we have this idea that, that we want to live on the mountain, be in the glory. Like I said, for an hour and a half, you can do it. But that's not where we're called to live in the glory. We're called to go back where we live, where we work, where we play, and represent, represent, represent Jesus to the people that we know. And here's the, here's the real kicker, to the people who know us. The people who know us. So maybe you're here, and you've never taken a step over the line. And trust me, I totally get it. I get it. I mean, this is weird what we do here. We all come together. You listen to one guy speak, and then we play a bunch of songs that you don't know. I'm talking for those of you who've never been in this environment. I totally get it. Those of you watching online, totally get it how foreign it is because when I stepped foot in a church, I, it, was a, it might as well have been the surface of the moon for me. And I had to learn all the culture and all of it. But you know what? It was a joyful journey. And so maybe you're here this morning. This is all new to you. Maybe you're here this morning, and you have done that before, but it's been a while. And maybe it's been a while since you've reengaged your faith. And there, there's a slight chance here that in between both services this morning, some of you were kind of guilted into coming today. So, some of your family may have just said, pack your bags, you're going on a guilt trip. With me to church. I, hey, this is real. But here you are. So why not leverage this moment, possibly see the trajectory of your life change for the better? So if you're here this morning, we're not going to try to live on the mountaintop. We're going to come back where we live, where we work, and where we play. We're going to live our life out loud for Jesus. 
And if you're ready to take that step and say, I'm giving you my life, I'm giving you everything I am, and I am accepting what you did for me. It's an exchange. We sang about it. It's called a beautiful exchange where you're giving him your life, your old stuff, and he's giving you in exchange new life. And here's a great thing, family. You get a new heart in the deal. You don't get a heart with Band-Aids on it. You get a brand new heart in this deal. And the Bible calls it being born again. No, you don't go back and get reborn in your mom's womb. You literally spiritually are reborn. And I'm telling you, it's like wearing a backpack of lead. All that stuff from your past, trauma, pain, sin, and somebody coming along with sheer snipping straps. And for the first time, you feel free and light. Never felt lighter in my life than that night that Steve McMeans led me in a prayer over the hood of my pickup. And it was super simple. By the way, I want to apologize on behalf of every church in the world for making this complicated for you. It's not. It's not complicated. In fact, it's so not complicated. It's so simple that a child can do it. And Jesus said, unless you become like a kid, you're not even going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You, don't even, you won't get it. That's how simple it is. So I'm going to ask a favor. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to go out with a blessing. But before we do that, and while they're coming up and getting ready, would you do me the honor of just bowing your head and closing your eyes just for a minute? I just want to share something with you while you do that. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer, simple prayer. Like I said, not deep, not complicated, very simple. And it's just a prayer where I'm going to invite you to ask Jesus to save your life, the rest of your life, to redeem what's been lost and to save you from here forward. And we call that being saved. We call that being born again. And Maybe there's something in your heart ticking right now and fluttering and you're feeling like, I want to do that. I'm ready to make a change. Here's the beauty of it. You don't make the change. You accept the change he brings to you, and that's what's really cool about this deal. So pressure's not on you. It's on the promises. It's on him. And He loves you that much that on your best day, on your worst day ever, in your darkest moment, your worst decision, he loved you, period, as much as on your best day on the mountaintop. That's his grace. So if you're here this morning, Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a sec. Nobody looking around. I'm going all Baptist on you, I know. But nobody looking around. This is between you and the Lord. But I'm going to look because I want to see if there's anybody here. If that's you and you're ready to pray that simple prayer, we're going to do it all together so you're not going to be singled out. This is something that happens in your heart. We're not going to make a show out of this. But in your heart, you're ready to make that change and ask Jesus to be your Lord. Would you lift your hand up just so I can see it real quick, and then you can put it down. I'm looking. Anybody here? Say, I'm ready. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Hands up all over the place. But we're going to do it all together because we're in this together. Because we don't want to abandon you after this service is over. We'll be back here next week. we got stuff going all the time. You can get involved and get connected so we can do life together. So this isn't just a one-time deal. It's a journey called discipleship, and we're here to walk it out with you. 
but I'm going to ask everybody to pray this simple prayer out loud, and I'm going to lead you. Very simple. But those of you that are making this decision for the first time, own this for yourself. It's really simple. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I receive your sacrifice. I receive new life. I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you all of me for the rest of my life. I will follow you. I will serve you. Thank you for being my Savior. I am born again in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Could we clap for those who made that decision this morning? Amen. 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 If you're here this morning, you made the decision, and you want to tell somebody, we're going to be up here afterwards. Feel free to come talk to us. We're not going to bite. We're just going to cheer you on. We're your biggest cheerleaders, your biggest fan. Let's all stand together, and let's go out with a blessing.
Sunday. Someone say amen. amen. All right. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together. And I thank you for the many this morning who took that step, that gentle step over the line to say, I'm all in with Jesus. Lord, encourage them, bless them. And Father, as we go this week, Lord, we recognize that Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. We now live our life on this side of the resurrection. And so thank you for resurrection power that surges in us and through us to make a difference. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing week.